Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this week of the Issues Program. I'm here again in the early part of the day at around, uh, I'm recording this at 10 o'clock in the morning on my Thursday. So I appreciate everyone that's been checking out the podcast, checking out at early times. As I mentioned last week, the summer is a hectic time for me for real life adult work. And uh, so I'm having to try to fit the show in to different times that make sense for my schedule. So once we get into the fall and the winter, we'll get back to doing this in the early evenings around, you know, or late afternoons, two, three o'clock, maybe even in the late night sometimes. But for now, for the summer, I'm probably going to have to do this in early afternoons. And uh, the next two weeks are going to be really iffy. Uh, I, we might only get the Breaking Bad podcasts for the next two weeks, but I'll prepare you guys for that later. I'll put out a post or something like that, but... I'm a, I'm coming upon my biggie my biggiest. <laughs> I'm gonna listen to some Biggie Smalls coming up soon. I'm coming to my biggiest time of year. So the next couple of weeks, I have five days off. I'm in sort of a five day off stretch right now. So I'm doing this in the morning so I can go to the beach right now, after this because it was a long night and I need to go to the beach. And no, no, it's not one of those long nights where you have to listen to some stupid story that I tell you about something. Uh, it's not involving me, so I don't want to go get all into it. But I did want to mention something that is happening next Friday night for anyone listening right now in the Boston area or coming through the Boston area next next Friday night at 8.30 p.m. My band will be opening up a show with this band called Audible Crayons. I've never heard them before, and I might be mispronouncing their name. I'm, I'm going on memory. But it's at a club in Somerville called Radio, and we will be the first band on. So please come out and check us out. And uh, check out the, my band, Doc Odyssey. And also like to make one other very special congratulations announcement. If, just in case uh, you haven't heard or weren't a part of the uh, information on the Facebook posted out there, my good friends, Dusty and Pickle, their band Silver Beast, which is one of, I talked about them a little bit last week, one of the more unique bands in the local Boston area band with two bass players and a drummer and that's it and uh both the bass players share vocal ability vocal abilities share vocal uh duties mainly the lead bass player does the majority of the vocals but they're an awesome band called silver beast and they will be playing at this year's boston boston it's like boston but you know not quite awake yet this year's Boston Freedom Rally. So I'd like to give them a big, huge congratulations. I can't wait to see them out there in that big stage. Dusty has deserved this for a really long time in one of his own projects. Uh, I remember, well, I first time I played the Boston Rally, I played with him in this uh, in this band that we were both in, this awesome band, and a bunch of great guys. It's called The Force. And uh, I believe it was the year after that that a uh, Rage Against the Machine cover band was was uh, fucking up, or their bass player couldn't make it to the show, so Dusty was in the audience, and they just, and Dusty's like, I can play, and uh, and that was that, so, so ladies and gentlemen, I would like to send my exciting congratulations to Dusty and Pickle, and, uh, and their drummer, <laughs> that I don't, that I'm blanking on their name, uh, for winning the r- battle for the rally, and getting on to, uh, Getting onto the Hempfest. I'm really excited for them. Speaking of things I'm not very excited about, 
saw this uh, interesting news story, the worst reviewed, highest grossing movies of all time. So we're going to go through some of these. I mean, two of them, you probably know what they are right off the bat. The Transformers movie. I, I half expected these to be all Michael Bay movies, which says something interesting. Now, I know there's something considered critical, where something is a critic's baby and the critics can read into it and find all this deep meaning and some sort of understanding and really look into it. But there's something to be said about a movie that has positive fanfare, but critics all hate. Or if it's a movie that's up for award consideration that everybody in the world thinks is an amazing movie, but because of some superhero aspects, The Dark Knight cannot get a nod for best movie of the year for the Oscars. And this goes to what is critical, what is entertainment, what is subjective, what is objective. Now, there's two things in this world I think that are more subjective than anything else on the planet. And, or from, from an art, artistic standpoint, or analyzing art, being critical towards art, I would say music and comedy. Those two things, it's really hard. I, I'd say the latter, the music, doesn't necessarily get treated this way. More people turn into, oh, you like that band? You like that music? Oh, you think that band's good? Do you think that singer sounds good? You're stupid. You know, more people do that than in comedy. People have a little bit more of a respectful understanding that the fact that everyone finds different things funny. Some people find the Three Stooges funny. Some people don't. Some people find Reno 911 funny. Some people don't. Some people find My Name is Earl funny. Some people don't. Some people. I'm, I'm picking out a bunch of random things. Some people find Dane Cook funny. I don't. And smart people don't. No, but I'm kidding in that sense that if you find Dane Cook funny, I don't begrudge you that. I don't share your same opinions and don't try to tell me how to, you know, enjoy what I'm enjoying. And I think the same thing can be said about, about music. If people, if someone likes a band and they really, you know, really appreciate that band for the music they are because the singer connects to them or something like that, then, then they try to get other people to come into their cult. Oh, come on, listen to my music. It's good, too. It's good, too. But not everyone's going to like that. And sometimes in that situation, people get called... You know, you're just not opening your mind. Uh, you're not listening to Jimmy. You know, you're not hearing, you're listening, but you're not hearing it. You know, they quote that line from White Man Can't Jump. And that's a big thing with music. I mean, people get really egotistical and snobbish about their musical taste or about thinking that their band's this, this band's that, whatever. But ultimately, when it comes down to it, it's all taste. Something I think might be awesome or unbelievable, other people might not think so. And, and I think sometimes people get blown uh, verbal, verbally, emotionally, and egotistically-wise, get blown because they, a bunch of people like the music, so then everyone kind of piles on and goes, oh, I like it too because, you know, we have this gang mentality these days where no one can have individual thoughts and we just need to run in packs. And not to mention in a local scene, and yeah, I might be friggin' burning some bridges here, but in a local scene, it seems to be that you get the all-sarans too, the ones that only show up after a band's doing pretty well, or they think, oh, if I get in on this band now and start liking them, helping them out, showing up to their shows, doing all the stuff, showing up to their practices, sitting there like an idiot and telling everybody I know, hey, yo, 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 yo guys, you guys, you guys, go check out this, blah, 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 blah. 
And yeah, I'm not saying street team people. I'm not saying spreading the word. I'm saying those people that aren't doing it for the benefit of the band or benefit of the presentation of the music. They're doing it so they have another cool thing to talk about or they have another way to make, quote unquote, their star in a circle of friends or in a circle group or a circle jerk. They make their star shoot a little harder, a little faster, a little quicker, a little something, a little meow face, a little meow mix. Please deliver. So, yeah. So with movies and what is considered critically appealing or critically great in what people actually appreciate, it's a weird sort of thing or what people actually go to see. And I would say the same thing happens with with pretty much everything, especially these days where a lot of people, where money's tighter, people don't want to go out, spend money on music, spend money on a video game, spend money. Spay, spay your animals. Help, help protect the pet pop population. Have your pets spayed or neutered. Uh, go to the movies. Spend money on the movies. Go to all these different places. Uh, pay, pay for cable even, or pay for Netflix, which is going to transition into something we're going to talk about in a second. I, people don't want to do that. They want to get a little test. They want to read what critics have to say. They constantly listen to the same critics and they try to find one whose opinion that is closely associated with. And then you go, oh, well, that person didn't think it was good. That person thinks the gaming system sucks. So that person thinks this game, this game is pathetic. So I'm not even going to try it. And you're missing, you're missing something in some situations. I think especially you're missing it when it comes to when it comes to certain movies or television shows, because everybody's going to have a slightly different opinion. I listen to a great group of reviewers, critics, whatever you want to call them, called Spill Crew. Check that out. Google Spill Crew. Watch their animated reviews, their audio reviews, their podcasts. They're a great bunch of guys from Austin, Texas, that started out as a public access television show to get into free movies. Now, most of the guys in there, they all have slightly different opinions. Sometimes they have a little bit of a group mentality on certain movies. But for the most part, they have a lot of different opinions that click into it. There's a couple of the guys on the show that I connect with a little bit more when they're doing movie reviews. I tend to agree with, with what they're saying about the movie, and uh, critically or positively. But that's not always the case. And I'd say my mindset is very closely associated to one of these guys being a pothead geek. You know, and having a similar associations and things like that so I understand and I have the same peaks and valleys the same emotional curves and still the opinions are slightly different that's why if people get into that and they get into this like oh you you know Bob Smith doesn't like this video game I'm not even going to give it a try maybe you might like it granted you do want to read to see if some controls are fucked or something like that that's why I said it's more of an issue in video in uh, movies rather than video games oh we have a texter I think critics are full of shit I think for the most part they are looking to make their own bones about about uh, sorry about their review about their reviews and don't necessarily always give an honest opinion. No, I hear you, Texter, and I think that is the case. I think sometimes in with these reviewers and such, they're trying to just, in a sense of the 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 main the, the landscape. I'm sorry, I'm having a little trouble with words today. The landscape of the of the spectrum of media is so much different than it used to be. Even in just the last 10 years, and a lot of people that are reporters or reviewers, 
or all these different people, and I'm one of them, that are in this sea of the internet trying to get noticed have to or think they have to do stuff to become noticed to make it, quote unquote, or to be, you know, get their 15 seconds of fame or something like that. I mean, to use an expression of the times, I think that's doing it wrong. I think you need to do things for yourself. Promote yourself. Be positive. I mean, that's something I need to improve on, promoting myself more, being more slap me right across your face type of thing. There's a couple other things, you know, I obviously need to improve on. But I'm not doing this or I'm not making music or I'm not making videos with John or I'm not – don't have the urge to make a movie one day to become rich and famous or to have 15 minutes of success. Do I want lots of people to see my thing and maybe be emotionally affected by it? Do I want lots of people to listen to my radio talk show here or, excuse me, podcast or audio stream and uh, and and have some sort of reaction to it, whether it be positive or negative, or at least use me as a tool to go to sleep to, or, you know, feel very uncomfortable and stressed out because of my anxiety, and I'm passing that anxiety off to you. I'm doing this as therapy, as my own own way of, of creating and moving, because I can't do anything else. Even if I do this shitty, this is the only thing I can do. But people that are making reviews, doing all this stuff, just not because they love, and, and it's not the only reason. The reason why I do things isn't the only reason. Sometimes it's the love, such amazing passion. A lot of the people that I work with in the in the land of Ash, the, uh, Panda, Ninja, and Evan, and Blue, they all really have an intense passion for video games and for media and geek culture. That's why they bring you the stuff. We don't get paid for this. You know, occasionally we get access into events. You know, I got into uh, Anime Boston. They get they go to the video game conferences. I'll be going, you know, hopefully going to a video game conference at some point with Ash. And but that's all we get. We don't we don't we're not doing this for world domination. World domination would be great. We'll take world domination, but we're doing it because we want because we love the source material that we're talking about. And I think a lot of the times what you're dealing with is people that are either trying to make a name from themselves. They're frustrated with that. They're not making it more, so they let it all out. And, and I, that does not mean I think there never should be negative reviews. I do think there should be negative reviews if someone honestly feels negative towards something. But sometimes things just seem like people are looking for things to write about, so, they, so they're trying to be the next person to predict the next thing before the other person does. You know, I, it's a weird world, man. It's a weird world as I, excuse me, dude. Yeah, totally, man. It's a weird fucking world, dude. Yeah, dude. Fucking A. <laughs> now, yeah. So, transitioning in this. I, oh, sorry. I did. I I went on this whole big rant because I was talking about uh, the worst movies that did it did the best in the box office, and I was just gonna skip over that. After all that talk, I was just gonna skip over that part and be like, eh, eh I don't really need to talk about that. Oh, overrated. <laughs> so. I don't think this is uh, in any particular order. I think these are just these are just some of the movies of how bad they did on something like Rotten Tomatoes, and uh, and I, they just use Rotten Tomatoes as the uh, as the the source for for people's opinions of movies. And I think it's generally an okay source for uh, 
to calculate all the opinions of all the reviewers into one number, so to speak. I'll give it. <laughs> I'll give it. So they do like a percentage versus money versus how much. And uh, I'll give you an example. Box office for Transformers Revenge of the Fallen was $607.7 million so far. Rotten Tomatoes gives that movie a 19%. So that gives them a money percentage ratio of 31.9. Okay. Another movie here, uh, The Da Vinci Code. The Da Vinci Code made $758 million. million, Well, $758.2 million. It's got a rating on Rotten Tomatoes of 24% with a 31.6, so slightly lower rating than that of Transformers, or higher rating than that of Transformers, because, uh, whatever, my math skills aren't where they were. You guys, you smart math people out there will figure out all this stuff. I'll just give you the numbers. Box office, $96.1 million for Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End. Was that, which one was that? Was that the newest one? I must admit, I stopped caring about the Pirates of the Caribbean movie halfway through the second movie. <laughs> uh, let's see. Oh, we have to go to the next page. Next page. Now, this, this loading is brought to you by Issues. Yes, yes, yes. Why don't, while my page is loading, you listen to this wonderful Esh promo. Get ready to get your nerd on. Kick the week off right with games, gadgets, and general geekery from the ladies of the Electric Sisterhood. On Tuesdays, get your pop culture news and reviews with a pure Bostonian perspective on the Boston Bastard Brigade. Geek Aggro is coming at you on Wednesdays to fill what's left of your cerebral cortex with the hottest beats to get you on your feet. Then on Thursdays, you have me, Phil the Issues Guy, presenting the live issues program. It's going down each week. Only in the land of Ash. Nerdcore at its finest. Do you know what's funny? Oh, well, two things are funny. The first thing is it took exactly that amount of time for the page to load for me. (laughs) Exactly the amount of time of that promo. The second thing is I love the way all the other members of the Land of Ash sound on that promo, but when it gets to me, I'm just, like, making fun of myself. I'm like, hey, everybody, this is Phil the issue. (laughs) But I think that's the case. A lot of people that... I talk to about uh, the fact that I do a podcast or something like that, or I ask them to be on the podcast. A lot of my friends, the, their main response is, I don't want to listen to myself back on the radio or, or record it. I hate that. Don't get me wrong. I understand that. I hate myself, too. I, I hate myself, too. I hate listening to myself talk as well. But one thing you realize pretty soon after, I'm not saying I have a great, I don't have a great radio voice or anything like that. But the one thing I did realize pretty soon after starting to do this on my radio show uh, is that my voice to me sounds a shit ton a lot different than it sounds to other people. I'm not saying I have like a warm, soothing voice. Welcome to the sounds of, I mean, I might have a slightly deeper voice because I had band practice last night and done a lot of worked a lot and I talk a lot at my job so or scream a lot at my job I should say so my voice is slightly in shreds if it wasn't for doing straw mm. yes doing straw <laughs> it's a it's a new drug I do to protect my voice called straw baby I stick it in there and I straw it up mm-hmm but yeah well that was funny that it took exactly the amount of time of that of of that of that promo to to bring up the page. That's how slow my computer is loading right now. Number the or number next one. Pirates of the Caribbean, 
dead man's chest made holy shit uh, isn't that isn't that a billion 1066.2 million dollars oh i guess 100 that was a mil a million a million millions is a billion a billion billion <laughs> oh my god a million millions is a billion right Say that a million millions a billion, a million millions a billion. Next on the list is Shrek the Third. I didn't even know there was a Shrek the Third. I mean, I guess I did, but I mean, I gotta say, I really enjoyed the first Shrek, and I think the first Shrek movie deserves a lot of credit. It gets forgotten about. In some senses, when people are talking about the 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 rocket rise of the animated film movie, movies, you know, movies like Toy Story. Toy Story gets talked about a lot. Shrek, for me, anyways, had a big influence on seeing how it could be. I mean, as much as Toy Story was a family movie for all audiences, the first Shrek movie, I could see how kids could enjoy it, but I felt like it was in a lot of ways directed at my generation at people that were grown up, that had grown up through fairy tale stuff. And it was young adults and people that I think my friends and my group, age group, enjoyed Shrek a lot more than little kids did. Little kids, it was just probably another thing. The next two movies weren't that case. I made it about a quarter way through the second Shrek movie and I had to turn that crap off. Shrek the Third, I never even saw. I'm looking at the picture of it right now with three little Shrek babies. <laughs> now, Shrek the Third made, wow, $799 million. And it's got a 42% rating on the Rotten Tomatoes with, for a whopping 19% in the shittiness. Next is Hancock. Now, how could a movie named Hancock do badly? Especially considering it's starring Will Smith, the king of box office, I guess, or at one point in time until he started to shove his kids and everything. Well, I guess Hancock was the beginning of the end for Will Smith's quote-unquote dominance, but it did well in the box office, and and that's the thing about Will Smith, and I think the sad thing about him as an actor, just from like an acting standpoint, is that is that Will Smith could be a great actor. He could be someone that could do some amazing dramatic work if he put his time and money Time and money. Time and energy to it. It stopped putting his money to his kids and making shitty blockbuster films and trying to build the empire. And I understand that you're trying to build the empire, but throw in a couple of, you know, deep movie roles like you threw in at the beginning of your career. You balanced it out. But next, I was waiting for this movie. Armageddon is uh, $55.37 million, and it's... 40% rating on Rotten Tomatoes for a 13.8%. Well, next page, next page. Ooh, that one loaded nice and fast. Meet the Fuckers, Angels and Demons, where, with the sequel to... I'm just going to skip through all these again because I'm, you know, getting frustrated and bored. The Lost World, The Day After Tomorrow. All these movies are very, very low in the percentage ratio thing. <laughs> Bruce Almighty. Now, a lot of people think that would think that maybe Star Wars Episode One or Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull should be on there, but surprisingly, they have pretty good reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, and they didn't. They made some money, but they didn't make you know ridiculous amounts of money like they sh 
like these other ones did on when it comes down to it. Let's let's take a look as I'm talking out my ass because I don't have the page open. Star Wars: Phantom Menace. Yeah, we don't have. The, I don't have the numbers there. But when it comes down to it, the Phantom Menace, as bad as it is, I think gets remembered a lot worse than it actually was. The prequels were bad. Don't get me wrong. But to me, the worst of the three movies was the second one. I think the first one and the third one are eh, okay, watchable. But I think that third one, ugh. I mean, sorry, that second one just just pisses me off. <laughs> the second one makes me very, very angry, and, and you you wouldn't like me if I'm angry, or maybe you would. So, so my whole point of bringing that all up was no point whatsoever. I was scanning through things that I saw, and it and it piqued my interest. But what I really wanted to talk about at the beginning of the show today was Netflix in these Netflix series, and specifically Orange is the New Black, which I watched the whole entire series over the course of this weekend. Now, Orange is the New Black is a prison comedy drama on Netflix. It's the fourth, maybe the third. I I know I'm missing one, but fourth produced Netflix series. You had... Lily Hammers, which was actually the first one, which is a Danish show with Syl from The Sopranos. And it, in a sense, it doesn't really count. I, well, I'm not, I'm not going to count Arrested Development either, even though because it wasn't – it was something that Netflix in a way just funded. These are shows that are actually made by Netflix, you know, produced and made by Netflix people, and they hired the people and all that sort of stuff. In a sense – Lily Hammers was already completed and done by its own individual production house and it's licensed by Netflix for distribution on Netflix. Interested Development is slightly similar, slightly different, slightly similar, but it isn't an, it may be referred to, but in a sense it isn't really a unique Netflix series. And even if it is, I I would put it in the positive end. I put both those series in the positive. I know some people might not like Lily Hammer. Hmm. But I I can understand it for what it is. It's another it's another country's it's another country's Whoa, let's screen this call. That's right, I'm screening my calls right now. Oh shit, it's rigging. Okay. I've sent the caller to voicemail. Yeah, send that bastard to voicemail. Let's see what let's see what they have to say. I have a feeling it's John C. Riley from the later show. Hi, this is Len Kaplan here. I just wanted to tell Phil that uh, Orange is the New Black has a an interesting person that has something in common with him. Len. Uh, I, yeah. Oh, hey, hey Len. Phil, how are you? How's it going? Nice, nice to talk to you. Yes, yes. I was just mentioning Orange is the New Black, and uh, and uh, and have you uh, bef- before we get into that? I have a, I have a couple questions. Did, did you? Have you sure. have you been a fan of any of or checked out any of the other Netflix series? Did you check out House of Cards by chance? I haven't. Well, I I I'm very eclectic in my viewing. I'm I'm everywhere, you know, <laughs> and, and the internet sort of overwhelms me. And, and I'm old fashioned in the sense that for Netflix, I just get DVDs in the mail. I understand. No, I understand. Um, and I get, uh, you know, movies and stuff like that. But do you understand what I was talking about, about Piper Carmen? Yes, no, absolutely. And and what I was transitioning into is Orange is the New Black is a, is the newest series produced by Netflix. It is you, uh, the creator of the television show Weeds is the main producer. Yeah. And used for the, the, the series itself, and I know you haven't watched it yet, um, so I'm not going to get too much into it. It is not yeah. a factual 
representation Correct. of this of what the creator went went through. The creator of the show, Piper Kerman, is that her name? That's right. Is it is a fellow cable club alumni with myself and this gentleman on the phone right now is Len Kaplan, my first television teacher. Uh, he was a he was a television teacher. He he works in the uh, local school systems as well, and he worked for a local school that I was a part of, and and I actually have very a very when I was much younger I actually came to the cable club and watched a couple of productions just cuz I was really into the whole aspect of you know being on television and actually Piper the girl that that wrote the memoir by the same title Orange is the New Black uh that you can check out that I, that I actually just got and have not started yet uh it, this is all based on her real life situations it I read an interview. Exactly. I read an interview with her recently where she says they definitely take a lot of creative freedoms with certain aspects of the show, but there are some elements that are very factual. Now, uh, you Correct. you obviously knew Piper very very well. Uh, her being your student and being a a anchor for the for the uh, for the, the television station for the news program. Now, uh, actually, I have to correct you because. She was the anchor, mm-hmm. but believe it or not, I know you a lot better than I knew her because she kind of only came in once a week to do the news. Okay. Ted Rogers brought her in. Ted Rogers was our original anchor person for and producer for uh, Swampscott High News. And, um, and, and you know, I, she, we didn't talk too much, you know, except about what she was doing, you know. I never really got to know her that well, except, well, we have Facebook friends. So she remembered me enough for that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that that is the that's the new uh, that's the new test that's the litmus test these days. <laughs> if someone remembers you, it comes down to whether you're a Facebook friend. It is just a it's a funny it's a funny situation. I posted something about the series because on the television series, um, I'm I'm a big Star Trek nut. I've developed into becoming a huge Star Trek fan. And huh. and uh, and my I have an underappreciation for the the third third series in the new run the fourth series altogether Star Trek Voyager and uh, this character Kate uh, that Kate Mulgrove plays Captain Janeway and uh, myself and my uh, my cousin Gotti who's a regular contributor to the show and a, f- a friend of yours and uh, honorary member of the Cable Club and he. He and I have often talked about how she didn't have uh, the commitment. She talked about in different interviews about how she was trying to balance being on a full-time television show with being a a mother and how she felt like she did neither job well. And my introduction to the series was her being on it and seeing such a great performance that she gives. And it's because she's, you know, giving her all to that and – and that connected me to the series. And then you posted something about about the connection I have with that we have with her. And yeah. I, I guess I guess what my question is, my long long about question is, is watching the series after that fact. I had a very special, even a more interesting connection to what was going on with the screen and what was going on in the mind. Yeah. Did did you have a, any similar feeling when reading the memoirs and reading the book? Definitely, I'm reading it now. And uh, did I tell you I was reading it, or did somebody else that we know tell you that I was reading? I, th- it? I, th- I remember saying that. I think you. I think you might have briefly posted something. Maybe about I texted. Me. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't remember what I say after that. <laughs> I know. I was. But, yeah. Definitely, I'm riveted right now because you know I knew her as as well, how I knew her in my yeah. brief period knowing her as the anchor person, and you know she was very well spoken and 
and polite and everything. And and going through this, she's a, an excellent writer. Uh, actually, the book is excellently written, grammatically great, and uh, very very expressive. Uh, you know, she takes you right in there. And most memoirs sometimes get a little self indulgent, but she spends the time talking about her observations more than she spends talking about herself. Other than at the beginning, what she did to get into that prison. Mm-hmm. It, you know? And I think it, once she's in the prison, she's she's you know you're you're right there with her. That that's I can't wait to get more get into the book. I haven't even opened it yet. And I think that's I think that's another another thing that makes me. I guess gets me a little bit deep inside when re- hearing about this story or reading about the story is the fact of not specifically her, but I know you you developed a lot of uh, lifelong friendships, even in you know a casual manner, or uh, or even deeper on some level with some of your students uh, from your early yeah. days at, uh, at at our school, and yeah, and uh, it's I think one of the most difficult or or craziest things to think about when watching or reading about her experiences <clears throat> excuse me is understanding the not completely because we, we never understand exactly other people's mindsets but but you're a teacher you understand the perspective of students from this area and then going into that situation and understanding the you know the innocence that must have been popped the the fear that she must have had going into that situation being in the the bubble of which of the North shore that the North shore is in some ways with a lack, you know, with the danger and the, and, you know, and just growing up where, where I grew up and then ending up in a prison. I can't, I can't imagine that feeling, you know, that I can't imagine it either. And I'm from Revere. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I was going to say, I, I was, I was born in Lynn and I can't imagine it, you know, <laughs> no offense against Lynn. Of course I was born in the, in the, uh, in the stop and shop parking lot as of, as of right now, if you want, if you want to, yeah. if you want to get technical, I'm probably going to do what you did. I'm going to, after I finish the book, I'm going to, Watch this Netflix series definitely. It's, it, you can stream it live, correct? Yes, you, you can. can stream yeah. it. Yes, you can. And and the interesting okay. thing about it is, and this isn't ruining anything, but certain aspects were changed for some reason. Like you know, they did change her, yeah. na- her name, and they changed. I believe I, I have to rewatch the series because I because it isn't a big plot point. But I believe they they changed the location of the prison. I know in real life she went to mm-hmm. prison in Connecticut. I think in the series they right. had, they had her be from Connecticut and go to prison in New York, which doesn't affect the series at all. You know, I'm not ruining right. anything for you, but I think it was a, uh, I, a specific change that they made to the uh, to the. To I think the book. reason that they do that is because a book obviously is very finite. You know, you can run out of material if mm-hmm. you only concentrate on the book, and you you're freed up uh, when you do a series if you change a few things and you fictionalize it. You know, there's more. Or to be written in a series than in a book. Now, now, Len, I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I do have one last question, which is more of a more in a generalized subject because I know because I know you're such a uh, such a you know a studier, and you said you made a mention to that you're slightly old fashioned in some ways. How do you feel? Yes. How do you feel about? Now, Netflix, in these few series that they've put out for instant streaming immediately, uh, Arrested Development, the, the most recent season of that that just came out, um, the, the show I mentioned with Kevin Spacey, House of Cards, there was an, two other series, and then now Orange is the New Black, have all been uh, released as an entire season, you know, a 13 episodes, all as one. Yeah. Now, yeah. being someone that that grew up through and, and myself as well. And you date back a little, little further than me. Uh, 
it, watching right. the way television has evolved, how do you feel about this next evolution of television as sort of like an artistic medium? Do you like this? Do you think this is a little strange? You know, uh, how do you feel about it? Do you have any opinions? The fact that it's released all at once? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's fine. I mean, I, I, uh, I think I discovered the benefits of that when season four of uh, Rescue Me mm-hmm. was released on PPD, and I borrowed it from my friend. Absolutely. And I did what you guys are doing. All you they're, they're watching uh, Orange Is the New Black is watching the whole thing because you know you're you're if it's good your curiosity has to be. I think I think it gets connected because it turns television series into more what we used to know as miniseries and create overarching story arcs that 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 create television in the that create television in the sense that that. I think is is more has developed into the greater art form than than cinema in some ways because you're really allowing character development in the sense almost like you do in theater or in like a long Shakespearean story where that's you. That's a re- good point. That, that, that's that's definitely valid. I, I think uh, it's it's something that uh, it's just starting to evolve. You know that kind of a thing. Yes. You know, and you can pick the time and place where you can watch it. You're not bound. To be in front of your TV, exactly. Like exactly. At the same time, you're not. For- so if you have other stuff to do. Then the problem I see from from just a from just a business aspect is is uh, is the is advertisers find a way to get in there, and somehow they're gonna get pissed off. Of and television has been a big in, in the same way that and I was talking about this a little bit at the beginning part of the show about the newspaper writers and and reporters being at that moderate panic level because of their industry dying in some sense. And if, right. if if these commercial people, if the advertisers find that more people are are doing it because I can't lie, I since for the last before it was even the craze, I was doing that watching television shows like Star Trek Next Generation and De- Star Trek Deep Space 9 and it's and it's got what got me into the medium of watching an entire television series to the point now where going back and doing it the other way with a you know uh, a series like How I Met Your Mother is an example of a television show I watch current week to week it's okay. it's 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 it hurts me to have to wait and not be able to watch it when I when I want it and I don't know if that's a a negative to the culture that we live in, to this instant gratification culture, or sub, or something, mm-hmm. or, or it's just the sense. But in a to to spread it out to to the original media, when it comes down to it, books. When you wanted to read or finish a book, it was all right there. You choose when to go into right. it, and that I guess that's. So what you're saying? Are you saying that that the Netflix type that's released all at once spoils you? I think Did you want to see it all at once. I think it spoils you in that sense, but I also I, I think it makes it makes it more difficult to go back to watching things week to week. And I've come to a point in my tele- oh, I see. in my television yeah. watching with a show like uh, Breaking Bad as an example. Uh, I got into that show somewhere into the third season, and then I marathon watched every episode and then I started to have it it's it's like uh Ray Liotta says at the end of the movie Goodfellas when he's out of the mafia and he's a regular schlub he's like now I have to watch every week like an everyday schlub 
And it and it right. makes me feel that way. And and I'm very careful at this point to try not to watch a television to try to not watch a television series until it's been on for a few seasons, so then I can get into watching it right. as I will. Because to answer your question, yes, it has spoiled me, and I don't know yeah. what I don't I, know what I that think is. The same. And and I guess my my question is where does it go from here? Does it does it go more towards the end of everything being released released in one in one shot? How will that work with with uh, with network television and and shows you know like game shows or or connecting things like that? What is the future of television as we know it? Is and a very very good question. And I mean it's not very something. Good. It's not something we can really answer now, but I'd love to, you know, as time goes on, maybe have you uh, call back again and, and, and as things change in, uh, in the yeah. next couple of years and touch base with you again about it because, uh, because it's, always sure. fun. it's always fun to talk to you, Len. Same, same here, Phil. And before I go, I want to just plug one more Cable Club member's creation, Please Two and do. Two by Peter Safronis. Oh, yes, absolutely. Have you heard of that? You know, I absolutely. Yeah, yeah Peter Safronis is a great guy. Great guy. I, uh, I, yep. I I had some interactions with him because a cousin of mine uh, was very close with his sister. So uh, yeah, I knew Tracy yeah, and Tracy, uh, Tracy's I knew good her people. School, and I was lucky enough to read early versions of Two and Two when he was writing it. Oh, in in because Ga- uh, he was sending me like little pieces that he had finished. You know, no, if and you he asked me, he would ask me my opinion, and uh, I I went to see it in its early form, and and when it was performed, I believe it was in Salem. Mm-hmm. Was it Salem? I don't know. It was some it, someplace local, maybe Beverly. I think it was Salem. And uh, I'm I'm really proud of them. You know, it's in New York City. They had a successful Kickstarter campaign, and uh, you know he's really going places. So mm-hmm. cable club members, no cable club members, are going strong. Absolutely, and check out check out a lot of cable club members are out there doing the grassroots thing too. Check out on Facebook Ari Cooks is wonderful uh, friend of ours from the cable club that's doing some wonderful things over in Israel and some amazing recipes and uh, obviously me doing my thing and there's a lot of other people from the Swampscott High School that's group right. alum that are doing some wonder doing some great things even people I don't like are doing well like uh, <laughs> like people like Todd <laughs> McShay or Peter Woodfork who are both uh, on ESPN or connected with the sports world or uh, Mr. Boston Barst- <laughs> Mr. Boston Barstool who is also connected to Swampscott High School as well uh, with, uh, with now you know you gotta make the distinction though they're not cable club members. No, they the are cable and, club members. I think you like. They, and no, it, alumni. And if you alumni. and if you notice, all the other people I mentioned aren't very uh, you know friendly people, especially Mr. Uh, Boston Barstool over there. That's not, I'm not very proud of what I just said. I'm just saying it as a thing. You know, we're all connected to our high school. We had a we had a good good <laughs> good group of talent. But yes, that is true. Cable club members are out there doing amazing things. And uh, and and Gotti, I just saw Gotti post. He just wanted to add that her name was changed uh in the series uh from the book as well so they changed her name in orange is the new black but uh well, say hi to Gotti for me i will thank you so much for calling in len and i appreciate no all, i appreciate all your support and everything thank you you're doing a great job thank you sir i will talk to you soon and i apologize for years of calling you by a name you hated i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> i i know ne- I got, I got just, scolded just by I got I got not just in that post, I got an email from her too as well saying 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 Phil, don't you know never to call him that? And I was like, I I always thought he liked that. So I I apologize. I apologize. Who sent you that? Uh, Ariella sent me that. 
Oh, <laughs> she sc- she scold- she scolded me oh, for, co- so for calling you uh, so calling you that that name. I won't refer to right now. So. It's okay. I'm I'm too. No, no, don't worry. About <laughs> no, I know. I'm, just, I'm I'm sli- I'm slightly joking. Anyways, I I will I'll talk to you soon, Len. Thank you very much. Thank you, Phil. Bye bye. Bye bye. That is my old teacher. And uh, the first person to really introduce me to video editing. Uh, in, in Len's class, myself, and uh, I, I was a, me- a Cable Club member, and I also took his class. And in the class, we did some uh, a, a funny, funny, funny music video with my friend Nick, who calls on the show on occasion as well. And it was, uh, we did a version of that uh, Magic John, not Magic John, Michael Jordan and, and Larry Bird uh, hit any shot sort of thing from the gym. And we set it up, you know, video, video editing to slam dunks. And I'm not talking about, okay, anybody who video edits nowadays, I use Final Cut Pro X and it's pretty easy when it comes down to it. And a lot of people, I, or and I used fi- the old Final Cut Pro or, you know, at one point I used iMovie. And... Getting back into editing after so many years of taking a break from it or or sort of getting lost in the mix and not having access to the tools to do it, getting back to computer editing was very, very simple for me. I took classes in it, and the other people that were doing it were having trouble, and it was very simple because of what I had done in my past, uh, starting with Len and then moving into uh, my secondary, my second uh, cable teacher, Mr. Reed, and with SVHS. But with uh, Len, we were doing uh, b- the big Betamax videos, and in in same scenario to edit something just to go to anyone who knows anything about video editing it it it's not as easy as it is now you can't just constantly preview things you'd have to set in points you could set a preview but then you'd have to pre-roll watch it count like i'm not even getting getting into it i wouldn't even try cg because i was so horrified by the keyboard and the whole cg thing like i'm having sort of a a horrible block in my mind about how time consuming editing was back then Forget the fact that before I even got into that, I edited with two VCRs strapped together. Golly. Part of my language, golly. So, yes, if you have not checked it out, check out Orange is the New Black. It's a great series. So, it's about that time for Rhythm and Rhyme or whatever. It's, it's as I... Let, get, get, come on, play the song, Miles Edward O'Brien. Dude, I'm sorry, Phil. I'm, I'm failing. I have another telephone call. I have a call from Gatti. Good afternoon, Gatti. How are you? I'm doing quite well. I, I didn't mean to interrupt your uh, if you if you weren't finished with your um, with editing my... description, and then I can go on. With oh my... no 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 no! I was I'm I, I'm I am done. I was about to tra- I was about to transition into the news. So uh, so so pl- ah. so please please. Uh, wh- well, first of all, are are we are we honored or what? I know we. we I actually you know, had Len. I had I've had Len listen before and send me emails about listening to the show and giving me some uh, giving me giving me some pointers and stuff like that here and there, and uh, giving me po- mm-hmm. positive po- positive reinforcement and all that sort of stuff. But this is the first time I got I was able to actually have Len call in and to have a that like all no joking here all serious to have a professional like Len calling into my show really really makes me feel yeah. really happy you know that that was really i i really appreciate him calling and listening and checking yeah, out yeah well the show. he can give a, a perspective that you know i mean we all have you know everybody who calls in definitely has a different perspective but what len brings is you know years of of 
of being a professional in terms of his work, you know, directly working as a, in the, you know, in the, in the direct in the industry, te- you know, working as a teacher yeah. in the field. I and mean, that you can't match that. Here's a quick pub. That know, I didn't, what, here's a quick pub as well that I didn't put, put out while Lynn was on and, and, and doing years and years of an amazing show. If you're into wrestling, wrestling talk. Oh yes. And, uh, and oh my ha- God, how do they not? And having him? some amazing guests over the, over the year and being somebody that was my first, I would say as a kid, being someone that was, and I'm still into wrestling to an extent, uh, uh, not as much as I used to be into like the golden age that I consider the Hulk Hogan, Ultimate Warrior, Roddy Roddy Piper age, that that age of wrestling. But uh, Iron Sheik, I just want to keep naming people. But but uh, Len's connection <laughs> to the wrestling world and helping out in wrestling talk and uh, and mm-hmm. but meant meant a lot meant a lot to me and was uh, was really one of the things that helped when when you're a kid thinking about Len. Len making Len cool <laughs> it's you know he was uh yes. you know it beyond beyond everything else beyond knowledgeable and everything everything else and uh and and I'm just I'm I'm from being somebody that that does uh similar work not exactly the same but similar work not from this end from my other work uh it's it's great mm-hmm. that he's still working and still giving what he has to other people and spreading it you know sp- still teaching and still well, you know, doing his thing. I mean, it's because that, you know, that's, that's passion. Yeah. I and mean, that's, that's passion for what you do. And that's, think about it from the extent of just work and think about it even to the extent of, you know, seeing that I put a post that I did my show, I'm me being a former student, a former cable club member, listening to my show and, and calling it, you know, that that's not something that yep. any of my other teachers, whether I had close relationships with or not. I mean, I'd say the closest other thing that I have to it is maybe Mrs. Mitchell when I see her and and how nice she is when I see her, but she was never nice to me in school. <laughs> no, she hated you. She hated me in school, but now she gives me a hug and a kiss and it's like ah. Blah, blah, blah. But, yeah, she uh, maybe she hit her head. She got nice at some point. Yeah, she did. She I, I think I think I think because of because of your uh, Spanish royalty, so to speak. I got a little bit. Uh, of, yeah, I got a little bit of positive reinforcement from some of those people. You know, uh, I, I'd say that out of all those people, the one I liked the most, and it was because he was an asshole, but I just liked him, was Doc Nolan. Like, I just found the guy funny. I I was never in his class. Yeah, you were too actually. smart. You were too smart for it. That's why you were. You were. You. I was. Yeah, in, I mean, he taught. He basically taught the uh, essentials for Spanish class for the people that couldn't learn Spanish or didn't want to, that were like, you know, the, the, the low level kids, so to speak. So, uh, okay. He, so he went in there with a That's, very funny yeah. attitude. And I, and I took college level intensive German as a senior. So yeah, ex- I wasn't in his. Exactly. And I would say that catchment. I, I know you missed out on this, but uh, there was a, a teacher that my, my last couple of years, I, I don't know if he was there when you were still there. I don't think so. But do you remember Mr. Flanagan by chance? I think he might have came in no, in no. David's last year there that, or something yeah. like that. Well, that, there was that wave that started sort of when you were graduating and ended yeah, with, with like Emily and Peter. Peter. Yeah, where there's a whole and new generation. Then it was a whole new faculty. But uh, Mr. Flanagan yeah. was like young and uh, former softball, baseball player, curly hair, you know, like it looked all nice and stuff. But really, he wasn't really that nice. He was kind of like... Like, uh, I mean, he was a little, the girls all liked him, but, but Doc Nolan to me was everything he wasn't like this guy rode his bike to work every day. You know, he was just like, uh, 
He was just Chuck like Chuck Nolan was a genuine guy. Yeah, he was a genuine like he but and he had a little bit of an attitude, but it was real genuine and really cool. It was like Mrs. Mrs. Tanzara. Do you remember that lady? Like she was like uh, she taught no. like the Law and Order classes or something at, at the school or Crime and Punishment or something, and uh, she was just a Spitfire, a little like rah, rah, rah. I, just, I just I love that woman. Love that woman. Anyways, enough talking about teachers. We we could sit here and talk about our uh, our uh, our former teachers for years and years and years. <laughs> yeah, are we watching the audience numbers? <laughs> yeah, exactly. As I talk, as I talk about even even Len's like, I don't want to, I don't want to hear you guys talk about my. These aren't former. actual. We're not telling actual stories no. about people. We're just going. Oh, remember Mr. X and what he used to remember, do. Remember, <laughs> he, it's like the Chris Farley show. Remember, 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 remember that time that you. Uh, remember that time you you did that Spanish thing. Wasn't that cool? No, the, the truth of the matter is, the <laughs> yeah, truth exactly. of the matter is, and I will tell one story uh, about uh, being a young kid and and uh, and you doing something really cool that uh, that to, to to connect to the thing we were talking about Spanish language, and then we'll get ba- uh, then we'll get back to uh, to, to Len for a second. But uh, when you were when you were, I I think I was in elementary school. I don't know if you were a freshman in high school or something like that. Like uh, you mm-hmm. and you ended up taking some tests, or there was a contest or something like that, and and you ended up getting the best. El concurso de España. Yes, you ended up winning the award for the best score and uh, and winning a trip yeah. winning a trip to Spain. And the the interesting Correcto. the interesting thing about that That's was. Not actually <laughs> the interesting thing about that was at Stanley School, where we both went to elementary school. There was a principal there that kind of looked like San- like a skinny Santa Claus. He had the uh, the other bear Nori Lassard. Oh, is that Nori Lassard? Nori Lassard <laughs> had a joygasm when you won that. Seriously, like went on the loudspeaker of my elementary school and was like, "Seriously, Nori Lassard that? Yep, Philip the death troll." <laughs> Said, Nori de Lassard, oh. the death troll, said, said, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Philip the Issues Guy's cousin, Gotti, has just won the Spanish Award. This is really exciting. Exciting for Stanley School and for this town. Ah. And he like, he. I knew it pretty much made it all over town, but I just didn't. <laughs> oh, wow. Dude, they put, it mean, on the loud, know, they-, they put it on the loudspeaker of my elementary school. And about how proud they were, and every everyone was like, "Yeah, you know." It was like it. So it was it was uh it that that's a little I example just, of the Spanish uh, royalty that uh, Gotti was in his uh, with his linguistics abilities. That his consi- yes. which uh which 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 he continues to uh to develop as uh, with the knowledge of how many languages ultimately do you have some knowledge or foundation in? Is it like five, six? Or okay. Something? When someone I know counted over the course of a week how many languages I either spoke, understood, or somehow used <laughs> on the BU medical campus, it was 31. Jesus, mother bleeping blood. You're like... You... I cannot speak 31 languages. I can do certain things in certain languages depending what I need to do. It's like... I'm fluent in English. That's like an ice mostly. cream flavor place. You know, that's not a – that's like 31 flavors <laughs> of ice cream. That's a, I, am, I am the Baskin Robbins of linguistics. Of yeah, world yeah. language. Oh, gosh. I mean, but in some cases, it's like I can read, you know, I can read uh, Dutch and Afrikaans. Um, I can read a few, you know, depending on the subject, I can read Japanese, but sometimes I can't if it's – 
I can't imagine Mary, that. I don't know. I would think that would be one of the most, or from what I've heard from a layman's perspective, is that uh, the the Asian languages, especially you know, uh, that are probably some of the more difficult, especially Japanese Chinese, uh, because of the because of the dialect aspects of it. Sure. And, they're harder to maintain. Japanese is not so difficult. Actually, the dialect aspect is not the problem mm-hmm. because they tend to be written um, the same way nationwide. Like Chinese, uh, technically Cantonese is written in Mandarin. Now, I have a question about... Like there's one way to write, but, but, but if you... The thing is, there's a lot of maintenance required. Mm-hmm. To, to keep the writing system in your head because it's very complex. Now, with the dialects, would the dialects be the association to the English or to the United States English language be be uh, slang? Would that be or the slang that's spoken in the South as comparison to the uh, to the to the North? Is that is would that be what the dialects well, would that be the closest association to our to our language for people's connections? Um, yeah, I mean the the word dialect, a dialect is just kind of a, a group of speakers in an area whose speech has certain common characteristics. Okay, so... It, so, so, for so example, it, the North and the South speak different dialects of so, English yeah, the U.S. So broadly. California, uh, California and, says, hella, we say wicked. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, and that's a, that's, you know... That's uh, for the same that's word. A, for the same a, word, a, an idiolect boundary, or you know, and, the, and the, you, really you all boundary. versus y'all, the uh, you all y'all thing of the Mason Dixon line thing, or wherever, mm-hmm. or the cutoff point. Or and, that. You, and you can sometimes find those single words, and you know that if a person uses them, they're also likely to use other words and uh, you know have other pronunciations that form, you know, form their dialect. Um, the, you know, there's the old saying that. <laughs> A language is a dialect with an army and a navy, <laughs> which, you know, even works for Swiss German, oddly. <laughs> but, um, but then you have things like on um, the island of Papua New Guinea, which is um, uh, it's shared with Indonesia. It's it's in that part of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, not the island. It's, Papua New Guinea is a country on an island that it shares with Indonesia. Anyway, it's an Indo- it's, anyway. it's it's in the mix of Indonesia. Yeah, we'll be corrected. Yeah, if we're it's, wrong. It's, it's it's in it's in the sort of Southeast Asianish area. Um, anyway, so there are two groups there: the Naju and the Maanyan. The not Jews? Did you say the not Jews? Naju. The sound that I used at the beginning, you can't say in English. Ah, okay. It's so like... it's it's Naju, but it goes through your nose. So it's mm, it's like mm, ng Naju. Naju. I'm gonna call yeah. it. I'm gonna call and it the not Jews. The not Jews and the onions. The onions. The, the not Jews and the onions. The not Jews and the onions. Uh, yes. <laughs> I'm, yes. So, I'm so. So right. the Naju and the onion. If you listen to them, you would say. Oh, they speak a language. It must be called Anyan or, you know, mm-hmm. one language. If you ask one of them, they would be like, what are you talking about? I speak Naju. They speak Ma'anyan. That's not the same. I, I don't even understand what they're saying. Yeah, it's like... Completely- I don't know. And to them, it's two different languages. And then, you know, if you if you study enough, you discover 
that the, in some, you know, actually, I don't know if there are enough speakers in Najim and Ma'anyan, but take, for example, Thailand and Laos. Mm-hmm. The, the further you are from the Thai-Lao border, the more you get clearly separate languages. But as you get close, Thai and Lao become um, really dialects of the same language. Interesting. And they're, they're, they're close enough that you can, their um, mutual intelligibility is, is a good characteristic to use, you know, in determining such things. Hmm. And people will, you know, people who speak Thai and Lao and are from the border can understand each other. It's like the phenomenon of even, wi- I was going to say, it's like the phenomenon of women that hang out in the same area, are all getting their period at the same time. <laughs> But it's nothing it, like that. But that was my transition. It's, it's, it's exactly like that, except for the complete difference. Except for completely different, which was my transition to get back to Orange of the New Black. Sorry about that. But so speak of this. Oh, you, my God. It's so good. Do you think women... And I keep telling people. I'm like, I was just going to say, what? do you think women in prison all get their 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 periods at the same time? Um, Does that stop after a certain point? I, I'm sorry, I'm talking about period. It's just that's one of those amazing things that really like. Why do people always apologize? Is it because I'm gay? No, no, no. I just like, mean it. I mean in general that I'm talking about period, not vagina. I'll talk to you about vagina oh. anytime, but I mean generally talking about like something have, and more of that you're you a guy. What? More that you're a guy, and that most of my listeners probably are men. So they're like, oh, I don't want to hear about period. But but I think one of those weird uh, weird sort of gen- genetic I went, psychological I went weird to things. School on, on a medical campus and I was taught by MDs, I can listen to a day's lecture on anything. No, I hear you. It, it's, oh, I'm good. It, it's, it's just, uh, I guess that's one of those scientific marvels of humanity that really, really makes me sh- like, I, j- I don't quite get it. And I, and I, and, uh, maybe cause I'm, you know, not a yeah. woman, but like, it's just, it's so, well, it's, that's so amazing to me that that happens. And I guess I wonder if women are all spending time in prison together like that, if the language barriers melt and the language becomes similar and they all get the, peri- the periods at the same time. I, I don't know for certain, but I would assume, you know, dialogue in the TV show aside, yep. where, they, where they, they mention it, yeah, that's what um, I was wondering about because that's what that honestly that is exactly, and I don't want to talk too much about the show because I don't want to spoil anything. But like, right, but, I don't want to say what they have to say any any way, you right. know. But that is that is something show. that it that is something but that is mentioned at one point, and it got me thinking I about think, that. I think that you know, assuming that it does happen, then <laughs> this it is so funny that we have a gay man it, and a straight man talking about girls' periods. Like, anyways, keep going. <laughs> but you know what? It's it's a phenomenon that happens to a human being. No, absolutely, and absolutely. If you want to refer to women, I mean, yeah, yeah, they are. They, I'll give them that. The human women are human beings. I'll give them that. <laughs> You're so generous. I am. I'm generous. I would assume I know, that no. unless that that it, it, unless there's a, unless the phenomenon overloads at some point. Like unless there's a cur- unless it runs along a curve. Mm-hmm. That's what I was thinking. Like maybe it's only a certain number. Is there a, like a number limit to this? You know, is it like would, yeah, well, would only girls that yeah, are living I, in the same the cell blocks would it be just so, the same cell blocks? You know, would it be not? Yeah, 
most people that have seen prison shows know that prisons are separated into different cell blocks. We'll use Oz for the example. There's Emerald City, Unit B. Or prisoner cell block H. Or prisoner cell block H. Yes, exactly. So – so all the people, all the people are separated into different, different aspects. So maybe if they are only living in direct close proximity, especially in a jail where they're cut off from each other, maybe that's the case. But but you mentioned quickly in passing, Orange is the New Black is awesome. It it is really great. It it's a great show, and on a couple of different levels. And we'll talk generally about the structure of the show, not specific about things. Now, first off. Did you ever wa- – I, I just have a couple of shows to ask you if you've ever watched. Have you ever watched mm-hmm. – and this, this is, these are the shows I honestly think this show is a combination of, and which makes things unique. Just because things share elements of other shows doesn't make them cloying or pedestrian or whatever. It makes, it, it makes them using those shows as influences. And first show to ask sure. you is obviously Oz. Have you seen Oz before? Yeah, there's way less penis in this there's show. There's way less penis in this show. There's, there is. I, in fact, I'm rewatching. Of course, I used to watch Oz at your house. I, yes. I first watched Oz yeah. at your house. I first watched Oz during a scene with lots of penis yes. Yes. at your house. And, and I said, oh, my God, look. What are you watching? Penis. This penis. Yeah, I, I, I love Oz, not just for the penis, but for the, uh, the acting and the, and, the, uh, and the foundation that that had that gives us the television that we have today. If you did not have Oz, you wouldn't have Sopranos. Oh, no, 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 no. We got to see the penis of TV cousin Pam from the Cosby Show's yes. boyfriend. Absolutely. And pretty much every Law & Order member you've ever seen nowadays. Sorry. If you want to I'm see, okay. The, I'm okay. If you want to – it's okay. It's okay. Take a shower. Cold shower after the show. Cold shower after the show. But if you want to yeah, basically yeah, see yeah. Christopher Maloney from, from SVU, if, yeah. you, if you want to see uh, Biddy Wong, you want to see – like all these, all these random people yeah. that are on, that are on uh, these Law & Order programs these days – Pretty much naked and in some. If you want to see Luke Perry from now on to an O naked, he's in, he's naked on the show too. Yeah, I'm not. But I, I, every I'll warn you, I, I, all it's, sorts of people. Yeah, all sorts of penis. But I will warn you that none of it is glorified. It's not maybe maybe a little bit of the Christopher Maloney stuff because he's in a loving relationship on the show. So you so you see two men in love. No, in love. it's not. It's uh, some of it's in very very hard scenes to watch. Right, exactly. And, and I, you're not going to really. I would yeah. say the same thing you could say about a show like Game of Thor- Game of Thrones with uh, with female porno uh, breasts. It's not always in the most positive mm-hmm. situations. I only watched the first season of that, but yeah. But it's similar similar in that sense that, that you see naked, you see penis, but it's not like if you want if you want to actually watch something, don't watch it. Don't watch it for sexual purposes, except for specific people that you're like, oh, I want to see him in compromising situations. Or or her because you well, you actually get to see Rosario Dawson in the first season briefly naked when she uh, flashes herself and it has Edie Falco uh, right before she became Carmela Soprano and uh, a couple yep. other so it so there is our point is that in Oz there's there's a little bit more penis than you see on Orange Is the New Black but <laughs> apparently yes Edie Falco's penis yes <laughs> yeah and also but. one of the last thing I'm going to say about Oz. A very well-respected actor these days, and that is in a lot of comedic, funny, lighthearted roles. Uh, I'm blanking on his name right now. Uh, J.K. Simmons, who played uh, who played yes. who played Peter. Who played, oh uh, my God! I could not watch him when he made his transition. Yes, yeah. 
He, he played was, Schillinger. He played Schillinger, Schillinger. a white super, uh, Schill, uh, Schillinger. I, th- I think you said it right. Schillinger. Actually, no, you said you said it wrong, which is funny because he, he corrects people on the show with but then it. It's, Schillinger. It's Schillinger, isn't Schillinger. it? With a hard G. Yeah. yeah, but he. But what's funny about this? Everyone calls him Schillinger in the show, so he's constantly correcting people. But yes, he plays the leader mm-hmm. of the white of the of the Nazis. And yes, that's the same guy that played. Uh, uh, it was in Spider Man playing uh, JJ Jonah Spider-Man, Jameson. Juno. He, he was in the Closer. Yep, uh, playing like really likable characters. He's a am- amazing actor. Amazing because he created a truly believable Nazi and and to the point of to the point that I have trouble had trouble seeing him in his transition for a while and to, to, I, I hated him not his cat I, I took that character with me yeah no it, it's, it's hard not it's hard not to it's to the point where because of all the good people he's played since then I kind of want to see him playing a Nazi again somewhere in, in an American history X type of movie. And, and not because I want to see that. I just think he plays it so goddamn well. It's like the kid when I was in the yeah. sound of music that hiled so well that Nana cried, you know, like it was, it was, it was like, it, there's something about that good acting that like, that I can, that I can feel. I was in, oh, in the sound of music. Yeah, I was in the sound of music with, the, and there was this kid in, that okay. that had a hile at the same time as me when we switch over to the the, the, the dark side, and uh, and Nana started mm-hmm. crying because of it. And I, I'd say another person that does a really great job of doing a similar sort of character is in American History X, uh, uh, Stacy Keach, who who is, does great work on in movies like the Cheech and Chong movies playing a goofy character. But then you see him in American history X playing such an evil son of a bitch. And then I'll take it to the next level. You see him on a show. Like he was on this show called, Oh my God, Titus playing a Archie bunker type character. Oh, he was from Titus? Yeah. He was the, 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 uh, the, the Archie bunker father that was not quite as destructive as his character in American history X. So you see different levels of it. And then he was also on prison break mm-hmm. playing a water. And uh, can you, that's the word for some reason, that's a word I have more trouble saying than any other word in the world. Warden. I, I for some reason, Warden? yeah, I have trouble with that word constantly. Cause you have the W and the R next to them. And they're both rhotic sounds. They're both made by making a circle of your lips. Okay. So that is why I have trouble with it. So, so should I, should yep. I, should I not? Should I try this? Pause. Warden. Oh, there it is. Okay, I said it better that way. Okay, I'll work. Yeah. On. Well, and if you do an, if you do exercises with that, you should be able to, to cool. work it out. Cool. I'll I'll get that word down. I'll get that word down, and this yeah. radio and this radio show will be worth it. No, but but I for some reason because I'm always talking <laughs> about prison things, I'm always saying that word, and I always screw it up. It's like my it's my sp- paschetti for some people. You know, some people say sp- instead of saying spaghetti, they say paschetti. But I think or 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 or, Mon- or like uh, of our old high school teachers. Um, Pete Juttman, who couldn't say abdomen. Uh, yeah, he's a biology teacher. He said abdomen. Abdomen. Yep. Totally. Totally. Abdomen. But but so Oz is a show that if you haven't watched, I highly recommend it because because not just for the penis, but for the drama, for the violence, for for the good entertainment. To see how a show like that influenced shows like Breaking Bad, uh, Sopranos, mm-hmm. uh, Sons of Anarchy. It was the foundation. It, it really was. It really was the crossover into very violent shows. With anti I mean, Oz went over the top yeah, it sometimes did. and where it maybe didn't need to. But also, a lot of the time, it did it for a very good reason. Yes. No, absolutely. And it maybe didn't – and it did to a certain extent because some of the characters were. But it also showed you really bad people. But it also – which ultimately – 
as much as people want to say Tony Soprano and Walter White are good people, anti-heroes, they're bad people that people relate to because of uh, charismatic personalities or whatever, or Jesse Pink. They're, they're bad. Pe- I mean, Jesse's kind of a good person uh, as heart. Uh, 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 Jesse, Jesse <laughs> is a good person. But who... as heart. As heart. Walter isn't, though. Walter's turned into yeah. a selfish son of a bitch at this point in season. Uh, you're caught up, right? You're caught up through season five, through the most recent season five. Okay. I am. I've, in fact, I'm caught up twice. Okay, good. Me too. <laughs> and and Wal- Walter is not a good person. You know, Walter, no. th- there was a line that got crossed in Walter somewhere with, with what happened with Gus. And, he, and, yes. and G- Walter now has developed into Tony Soprano in season six of the – Part B of the Sopranos, just a mean, evil He's person. <laughs> An evil person. No, I'm talking about not talking about Part A with the uh, with the with the with the stuff. I'm talking about Part B when it get when it actually gets exciting uh, when, they make, yeah. when they make up for it. But yeah, yeah Part A, yeah, very boring with uh, the 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 Kevin Finnery stuff in the uh, broke back Soprano section of the of the series that that was just done. I'm convinced. Soprano, I'm convinced like David Chase did that just for a joke because he wanted to put that guy Vito into weird home. He wanted him to say the line "I love you, Johnny Cakes" or something like that and uh and but it but anyways so so these anti-heroes i think oz really started it but back to orange is the new black here uh the sopranos uh i'm sorry oz obviously because of the prison comparison then being being that the creator of weeds does the show there's no doubt that there is a sense especially of the first couple seasons of weeds and the last couple seasons of weeds of this comedic black comedy uh, some sort of glazed-eyed uh, woman. I don't, you know, being being thrust into a different world and having to learn on her feet. And especially with, you, are you all the way through Orange Is the New Black? Have you made through the series yet? Uh, yeah, I read okay. the book. I, um, okay, so so, but I'm I, I don't, actually I don't I actually wanna... went to Piper's website when she was going to prison now, now i um, I, I don't want to get into talking about what happens in the series but there is a transformation of her through but, the season to the to the end where she has some I, sort I of transformation yeah i guess what i'm saying is you know what happens at the end with her and that is very yeah. na- the whole progression is very nancy boat botwin if you if you watch weeds and seeing how she she takes i over. have not seen weeds i um i think the the, the the topic written out generally didn't interest me. No, I hear you. I hear and I didn't know what kind of show it was going to be. So. And it, it has a similar sense of humor as Orange is the New Black. I will compare it. I would say more than anything, you can see Jenny's who, who okay. is sense of humor in it. I'm not sure if you'd – I think there are certain, uh, certain superficial elements on Weeds that you could just appreciate for that superficial level. Uh, handsome guys that you would be like, oh, I could deal with watching this guy for a couple seasons. And there's a, there's some entertaining mm-hmm. things that go on. So so from that end, I wouldn't say Weeds is great, but it's it, it treads around really good sometimes, you know. And when it's really good, it's really good. But it has a couple seasons of just boring melodramatic crap, and then finds its footing again at being a comedic piece. So I hope Orange Is the New Black doesn't have a similar trajectory. But that's I, I don't think it's going to go for as long i i have a feeling it's gonna it's just gonna go for a couple years and the other show just yeah i mean we'll get into a second got renewed for a second season before it it even the first season even aired i'm guessing it's probably gonna be three or four seasons if i was to guess but you never can tell and it depends how much they stray from the idea of the book 
But the last series right. and the one that this series honestly reminds me the most of, the way that the the way they do each episode and the way that the series works together, truth be told, the series that Orange is the New Black reminds me the most of, and I haven't seen anyone say this yet, and is Lost. It reminds me of freaking Lost. The way that each episode has a foundation and a flashback, so to speak, of the person that the episode is about, and then it talks about... I was trying to think of what show that structure reminded me of, and I was going through shows that had flashbacks, but none of them quite worked in that way. It's Lost. It's especially the first seasons of Lost where... That structure... If where you don't find all the stories, and they're even leading it to the fact of season two, when we're going to find second parts of stories, like wh- like what really happened completely with Janeway, like we haven't learned exa- everything mm-hmm. about every everybody yet. No, and I mean we like we learned what happened to Miss Claudette. Yep. Say, but we didn't learn exactly what happened to. I mean, I don't know. There's tons a lot of, of, yeah, a lot tons of, of characters. Exactly. And, and that's what the, that honestly, when I'm watching the show, like five minutes into probably the second or third episode, because at first I'm like, this is interesting. I'm like thinking, well, like similar to what you are. I'm like, I'm like this, like, this is an interesting way they're doing this with a flash. Cause in the first episode, they just basically do flashbacks of our main character. So I'm like, is every episode going to be like this with her? And then the second episode, they kind of stretched it out and did someone different. And then the next episode, they did someone different again. And before I know it, every episode is based around a different character. And I'm like, holy hell, yep. this is lost. They've mixed lost with Oz and weeds and made a comedy out of it. And, and especially if they don't start going flashing sideways and like, I could see them flashing future eventually, like showing you the future of some of these people but like but I, but I still don't think they're going to go that far with it I think that they're more likely to just bring in more characters well, and stuff the thing is Lost ultimately had to because they had to keep up their pretend magic of science fiction yes they needed to, they lost somewhere along the line decided pretty early on but like is that they were going to go more with a science fiction thing rather than rather than spiritual, rather than whatever, rather than, you know, with time travel. Uh, and yeah-ish, but then it was, then it wasn't. Then it wasn't, and then it went it back it and forth. Say what, you want I, about, I, I, say what you want about Quantum Leap, they stayed in science. Maybe they threw in some religion stuff, but, like, they stayed in science, and that's why it's lost, yeah, it's confused. Quantum Leap was about, you know... Two buddies. It was about Sam, and he went back and forth. What's and interesting it was, is, it, yeah, it was a buddy. It was a buddy picture. What's interesting, going back and watching Quantum Leap now, after years and years of watching new television, so to speak, you know, shows like Breaking Bad, shows like I, mean, I keep mm-hmm. mentioning all these. This, what I think is what I was talking about with Len as well. The golden age of television, this day, age where you live in, where television is as good as is the greatest arts being, I think, made in television. Television is television is is the is probably the medium where the the best work is the best work done. right now. Going back and watching '80s television shows, even something like Quantum Leap that at the time I thought was so deep, going back and watching it now, it's it's very uh, kung fu, very uh, situation of the week. There's not a lot of carryover from episode to episode. I'm like, wait a minute, that happened there. Wait, wait, wait a minute, what are, what are they talking about? That happened there, there, there. Even a show. I'm sorry to say, I'm being forced, or I I was forced, or not forced. I was agreed into a deal with my with with uh with stephanie about that to watch certain television shows that i like i have to watch certain television shows she like and i watched sex in the city which which isn't all crap it does have some elements that are okay sarah jessica parker's crap but 
But there's even in that oh, yeah, show, wow. there's even in, I don't want to talk too much about Sex and the City. Even that show is like an older, slightly older show than the ones we're talking about. Has a weird, weird frigging cutoffs where they don't ignore stuff that where they ignore <laughs> stuff that happened in the episode before, where she where she was in France in one episode, and then the last episode they're like, I've never been to France, and it's like no, in frigging episode, I'm like no, and, and I never watch. I, you know, I don't care about the show, but the geek in me and the angry man in me that 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 I was talking about the spoiledness in me that Len mentioned is like, no, wait, in season three, episode two, you were in Paris. It was called sex in the other city. That was the name of the episode. What the hell? You know? And it's, and it's, well, they used to, they used to rely on the fact that you only saw it once a week so that they didn't have to make, for example, I've been rewatching the, the $6 million man mm -hmm. on a channel that's driving nuts because they don't show it in order. Ugh. Um, and they that. don't show multiple part episodes together oh, i hate that but hate anyway that. i just yeah but um for example oscar goldman has a secretary her name is callahan callahan is oscar goldman's secretary mm -hmm. she's his secretary on bionic woman and six million dollar man except sometimes she's not in the episode so his secretary is either a nameless brunette that they hire because Callahan's a blonde, mm -hmm. or or a brunette who has to be in the episode enough because it clearly should have been Callahan. Yeah, it's it's like it's it's again the and the, they just, you know and it, it's fine because it was you know I, I I don't mind a lot of that because it I I don't feel like I need to be engaged in the end of the world with everything I watch. No, I hear you. And and that's and especially like, you can uh, you can look at the older programming in a time capsule and appreciate it for what it was and thinking about the mindset of people watching it. But it's it's if a show comes out nowadays and there's problems like that and it it's very easy it's Oh. Yeah, you're, you're lambaste. Yeah. It. You're going to lambaste it. And and that yeah, and that's fine. Absolutely. I don't lambaste Happy Days for having another kid in there and then taking him out and not talking about it ever again. It's funny. That I mean it, it served for a great Simpsons episode. And just to go quickly well, on, the, on the Simpsons, uh Simps there will be a Simpsons and Family Guy crossover episode next season on Family Guy where I the, heard about where that. the, where the yeah. Family Guy uh family goes to uh Springfield. And also to end Futurama we will get Futurama, we will get a finally get a Futurama Simpsons crossover at some point too. I guess the Simpsons are deciding to uh to screw it and just go with the uh <laughs> Just to go with crossover. Do all the stuff point. they haven't done over the years. Yeah, and... beca because they're not really – they're going the route of the Flintstones at this point. You know, of uh, when the Flintstones at the yeah. end of their career did the uh, did the whole Flintstones meet the Jetsons thing and all that. But just to transition right. back to Oranges and New Black for a second. So, yeah, I think those three shows are the especially Lost. It reminds me of Lost so much. And I wonder if they're going to continue with that on uh, as the series goes on. And uh, the one the I hope so because it 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 every time they do that, you like you understand like 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 Claudette is all about this sense of order yep. and you know making sanity out of her her environment, and they go back and they show you what happened and what she's had and what she's lost and what and all of a sudden you're like oh my god yeah and you feel for it even more or in other cases and, yeah. and again i'm not we're not talking in specifics here uh one of the the that crazy little 
girl uh you know what i'm talking about the crazy religious oh yeah stuff. oh like her her episode added a whole new dimension to what her situation is you know what that was like wow i see why yeah. they waited for that one towards the end just because the, to do a real focus and talk about a character that that i hated and hated and hated but hated in a way that i'm mm-hmm. like why is she useless she's useless she's useless and the way they turned that around to what to where she what she ended up you know the whole thing at the end there that just made yep. it such a great connection. And I know we're speaking in generality, so I'm not going to talk too much more about this. But if you have seen it, you will know exactly what we're talking about. And the last thing I want to talk to you about, and probably the last thing I'm going to talk about in the show, I'm, then I'll just do a couple news, uh, quick news blurbs, and get out of here. Is we've got to do it. We I mentioned this with Len as well. You and me need to do it. We we did it on Facebook. We need to do it here publicly. Uh-oh. We need to give Kate Mulgrove her credit. You are a great actress. Oh, young lady, my young God. lady, unbelievable, unbelievable. Do what the hell? Where were you? Where were you? Oh my I, God! I turned my head and missed that bit on the credits. So when Red showed up, I was like, that actress looks so much like Kate Mulgrew. You're like, what the hell? I, I had a similar and sort then of... I... No, I had a similar sort I of reaction can't... where, 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 uh, where, where hold, hold your thought because I'm really curious what you're... But I want to share with like the same sort of feeling. I I had a passing thing. I, uh, Stephanie and I were looking for a show to watch. We're like, oh, oh, I've heard it. Oh, this is new. Let's watch this. And it was in bed. We were like, oh, let's turn the show on. And I'm like half, a, mm-hmm. half awake, half asleep at the very beginning of the episode sort of looking. And I look at the screen and I thought I saw her name. And I'm like, no, nah, she's not in this show. She can't be in this show. She's a theater person now. You know, I'm like, she's not going to... You know, no, she's not. Yeah, gonna... I'm like she escaped. <laughs> she escaped television. She's not... somewhere that you know. Yeah, she's 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 on stage li- li- looking for William Shatner in boxes. You know what I mean? She's she's not she's not do- <laughs> she's not doing this. She's not going to be on a prison drama and a similar similar feeling. And then the first time you see her walk out as red, it's like what? You're, it's like oh my yeah. It's it's unbelievable. I. I... I could not believe because I used to really like her as an actress on Cheers, on um, well, not Kate Loves a Mystery. That was a terrible show. Um, <laughs> that was she played Columbo's wife, and there was actually they changed the name of the character halfway through the season so that she was no longer Columbo's wife. Yeah, because the Columbo people, you know. But I mean, you know, I had seen her in. I mean, you know, she's a prolific actress. And then Star Trek decided to do two, one too many shows, and it happened at a point where, where she, she was in was a difficult too yeah. many ways. Yeah, where she, we should, where, where, where again, if you haven't, we've mentioned it a couple of times, but if you get a, haven't had a chance, speaking of Netflix, watch the in a, a Star Trek fan, watch the Captain's documentary. Uh, maybe you'll lose slight sight respect for Avery Brooks as a human, but not as an actor. Cause you're like, how can he play sane? And you, you'll get a new appreciation for Cisco's <laughs> no, eating scenes. Actually, I think you appreciate him more as, as a an, human. As a human. Hilarious. Cause he's hilarious and has such a great time. I just mean, I watched that with someone and they're like, Oh my God, is he crazy? That, and you might think he's crazy, but I think, I think he is. I think he is a little crazy. And I think it adds the, a different element to, how great of an actor Avery Brooks is playing normal. You get more of a sense of how insecure and how much Patrick Stewart and William Shatner have in common. You have a great understanding Mm -hmm. for the, for the way that Scott Bakula had a uh, envious, envious relationship 
towards the other series about the chemistry that their cast had and the fact that he didn't really give it his heart like he gave Quantum Leap because he felt like he already shot his bub popped his bubble of giving you know a television show his life so he felt like he never needed to pull the cast together and I think Scott Bakula in a right. sense working with different casts and only one recurring character for so many years didn't understand how a lead actor needs to bring an ensemble together in the sense that Patrick Stewart and Avery Brooks did, I think, where they understood that you need, and Kate well, grow to a sense. Quantum, Quantum Leap wasn't a cast. It That's was, what I'm saying. It, it was, was it was two people in a cast. A couple and, guys in a guest star. And, and guest stars, yeah. and reoccurring guest stars. So he never had that feeling. And I think you, you see that in his in his mannerisms when he's talking to Shatner about it too. And I think with, yep. with Kate Mulgrove, what you really learn is how much she emotionally is upset about what she did with Voyager and what she did as a mother as well. And her direct quote, and we've said it before is at the time, I don't feel, and I'm not, it's not a direct quote. I'm paraphrasing, uh, on Voyager. I feel like I didn't play the part of mother or captain very well. Is what she said, basically. That was roughly what she said. Like, I didn't, didn't do and either it's job. well worth watching. Yeah, and she says her kids... Especially if you have an interest in acting, too. Yes. Um, of understanding how your mind... television... How your mind can be out, yeah. of, out of... When your mind isn't fully committed into, record, into performing a part, how it just isn't... You know, it isn't... It can't, you can't give truly what is you from a character, especially in a sense of a character... And it, on Voyager that you needed to have her show more life, show more fun. And again, and I always thought that maybe just Kate Mulgrove couldn't play that, but in all the anger or whatever, or Red's personality that you have, there's a lot of fun there. You can see how she can very easily, mm -hmm. naturally play lighthearted. Red's got a sense of humor. Red's got a sense of humor. And you can see how, and again, Kate Mulgrove, in this, when you see her interacting with Shatner, you see how she has a sense of humor. She yep. could have brought a lot more of herself and, to Janeway, and she didn't. She made Janeway you cold. See in Voyager, in a show like that, that's an ensemble with a leader, mm -hmm. you need the leader to be the one to tie it together. It's to why the captains get yeah, all the accolades. Yeah, and exactly. It's the rug, and, the rug really ties the room together, dude, to quote the big Lebowski. Yeah. But you absolutely need that. And I think, in a sense... And it, she, she couldn't bring it. And because she couldn't bring it, they never gelled at the beginning. And no matter what they did, even when they brought in Seven of Nine who didn't have her own sense of humor, but was really funny. No, it was really funny in the off um, time, yeah. Yeah. Um, even then, it was just too late, and they all hung on that dry note and I think of first season Janeway. I think part of the problem as well, too, was, and I, I actually discovered this more recently when I was looking up Voyager stuff to talk about, to think about, excuse me, to think about uh, Kate McGrove. Mm -hmm. uh, she... She, uh, she wasn't the first Janeway. In fact, there's actually scenes from the pilot shot no. with some oh, other yeah. woman playing Janeway. Um, Genevieve Butthole. Yeah, who's, Genevieve e who's even duller than Janeway. So what I think happened yeah. is they the part was just written dull, and then Kate, when Kate got into the role, she obviously being a way more talented actress than the girl that they originally picked for the role, just automatically, they didn't push her because they were like, oh, this is automatically a little <laughs> you know bit funny? a little bit better, you know? <laughs> What's the actress they originally picked uh -huh. is sublimely talented. Is she? She was awful so in that. So maybe the part was just written was, all horrible. Maybe she just 
she thought she was too good for television. Mm-hmm. She didn't like being on the set. She didn't want to be doing the role. Again, I mentioned And her, she stormed off. Again, I mentioned after a couple her, days filming. I mentioned her a lot because I really appreciate her, but I think that what you needed, the type of personality you needed for Janeway was closer associated with Roe or Kira or something like that. Like you needed a someone Lindsay Wagner. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. And but but that being said, for uh, a lot of people I remember when they were casting the show and it was clear there was going to be a woman captain. A lot of people were really excited. Um, and people were giving names like Patsy Kensett. I don't know if you know who she is. She's a, she's a British actress and she's got a bit of a liveliness to her, mm-hmm. but also that, that gravitas. Um, people were talking about Susan Gibney who played um, Dr. Leah Brahms. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, I know exactly who you're talking about. In the uh, she would have been great. She would have been really on good. on Next Generation. Was she? She was the one that um, jo- the, was she the one that Jordy made the hologram had the hologram sex with, and then he met her later. Yes. <laughs> okay, that's yeah. The and then he he uh, she got upset because he was stalking her, and then he yelled at her about it, and then they were yeah. friends. No, I, absolutely, um, exactly. And, and he had her hair. But, He's like, no, 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 I didn't were, do it. The most uncomfortable holodeck moment ever when when she, when she wanders uh, in, yeah. and she pushes it. And he's like, oh, oh, sorry. And he's like, and she's like, what would you do? Oh, right. He's talking to her about how yeah, she's and, cold and fish her or holodeck yeah. version says, every time you touch the ship, you're touching me. You need and it. she walks in and sees him, yeah, sees him doing that. having you, the conversation. You needed you need need Quark to pop up there and be like, that was an interesting hologram program. You know, that's Vulcan Love Slave number five. You know, something like you just needed him to pop up. But, but okay, we're doing a lot. We're doing a lot of talking about other people. This is what we end up usually doing. We're falling into our pattern here, Gotti, and we shouldn't do this. I'm sorry. Again, again I know we are. We, we we did this to glorify Kate Mulgrew. Our issues. Yeah, this is our issue. Our issues is is it, it makes it worse, man. It makes it worse because because honestly, you if you had showed the. You needed someone to show the joy and wonder that being in some place that they never thought the Federation would be. You know, and the, what the story behind Voyager mm-hmm. of the Marquis, the Marquis in the, uh, in the, the Marquis de Sade, the Marquis in the, uh, in the, in the, in, in a undermanned ship of, of Federation people joining together because. Why the, did that ship always look like it was just came off, off the, you know, showroom floor exactly but that's what i'm saying like like the story behind it the foundation of the story i think could have been the best of all the star trek series but you're right star trek fatigue and at that point they realized they didn't really need to try and and they made it literally in the matter of two minutes the maquis and the federation people start getting along you could have had the first two seasons of voyager then basically be at war on the ship you know what i mean and and you cast someone a little bit better Mm -hmm. than chakotay to lead the maquis you know what i mean like an actual personality Imagine a war on the ship the you, size of a Federation starship. Exactly. You don't. You don't necessarily kill. You 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 don't kill the two people that you have as associates of the Maquis. You don't kill Cal Hudson or uh, or or or. Uh, or Eddington, uh, Lieutenant Eddington from uh, from right. from thing. Or you could have again to bring her up again. You could have had Roby on the ship as being the leader of the Maquis and has having a bat a female battle. You know, like the two female uh, alpha females battling with Janeway and uh, and Roe being controlling. And she and Roe ends up being the olive branch eventually when she 
when she realizes that she needs, you know, that she has elements of both in her. And then she turns the rest, you know, I don't know, whatever. Maybe you didn't do it. Maybe two seasons, maybe the end of the first season, it, you know, the whole first season is a struggle, but instead it was, um, you know, Oh, five minutes. Now we're like the, the next generation part two and everyone's happy, you know, it's la di da di da di And, and, but okay. You know what else I hated about that show? <laughs> Let's that do it. stupid Klingon was boring. And one time she's like, computer, I'll have one stack of <laughs> banana pancakes, which is the most boring way ever well, to well, order banana pancakes. In her pancakes. defense, in her defense, she did have she was half boring. She wasn't all Klingon. She did she was half boring. She was half uh Bajor, wasn't she half Bajoran? Which but which don't no, get she's me half human. Oh, she's half human. I thought she was half Bajoran, half uh half Klingon. Yeah, I think she was half human. Okay. But uh, but Alana, I I did like I did like I did like Tuvok though I got to admit I, the characters on Voyager I liked were Tuvok the Doctor and Seven of Nine and I per- I don't I personally I don't go for Vulcans that <sighs> seemingly exist but never existed as a race before. no I I hear no I, I hear you I hear you for- you don't give for Vulcans that were somehow on Sulu's ship without ears I I understand Vulcans I, were green. I understand. I, I understand. I, I I see. I see. I see what the point here is, and I guess I just think that out of all the people to do Spock clone Vulcans, he's the only one that I've seen that kind of brings something, uh, something unique to it in his personality traits. He's not a Spock clone. In fact, he's way drier than Spock. You know, when it comes down to personality, and I think the actor himself yeah, plays, plays a decent Vulcan. For a long time, there were like. Okay, you had Mark Leonard and you had Leonard Nimoy, mm-hmm. and they played like the perfect sort of two. Sp- yeah, uh, I forgot about know, I forgot about Savick, but yeah, exactly those two. The, there's the, something there, you know. Yeah, Spock and, I, and his father, who's there's something there that will you know gives you a sense of Vulcan life. Okay, and, Vulcans are more complex mm-hmm. than just being logical and you know and then you go to Vulcan for a mock time and you find out that Vulcans can be scheming yeah and then you go to when, uh, one you, know, uh, you got the Hall of Suite episode of uh, of, of uh, Deep Space Nine the uh, the the baseball Hall of Suite episode where you find out that a yep. Vulcan has a sort of bit problem with Cis- that Cisco has a problem with a Vulcan because because he finds Vulcans ridiculously egotistical and uh, and talking down to humans so he he got into a fist fight with one in a bar when he was 18 years old and now this guy's held it over mm-hmm. his career his whole career he sends him like emails about his uh, accolades oh you won the Christopher Pike gold uh, gold star i won seven <laughs> cisco oh you know and you get to find that vulcans have a little bit more of an ego than than obviously put on but i i also think i think leonard nimoy obviously is the prototypical vulcan but but i i forget yes. forget about savik sometimes in the sense that he shows you what a full vulcan is supposed Sorry. to be Sa- savik, Sa- savik is, is uh, uh kirstie alley savik's from sex in the city Sa- oh is she no isn't savik isn't savik Kirstie? no she's not isn't that no? Savick was. I'm sorry. Savick was, was Kirstie Alley, Kirstie and then she yeah. was supposed to come back, but then she was replaced with uh, as, the with, chick from um, Second. Yeah, what's uh, her? The, in, what's uh, her face? Yeah, what's her face is in three and four playing playing the character. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking. About. I'm very sexy. Oh no no no! We're, no this is this is where we're messing it up. No, she isn't. But she's in. But uh, Sex and the City girl is in in Star Trek Six playing the Vulcan that. 
yes. that, that Spock right. ends up she slapping. She was supposed to be Kirstie Alley. She was yeah. supposed to be Savick, but they couldn't get Kirstie Alley, because so they she, hired. Yeah, because um, she, she's the Goodyear blimp at that point in time. Because <laughs> Kirstie Alley uh, is, uh, is is in her post uh, Scientology life. So it doesn't believe it. that's. Do you know that's why she wasn't on Frasier? That's why she didn't guest guest star in Frasier because she said her Scientology doesn't allow her to agree with the psychology. <laughs> really? Really? It, it, I used to find Chrissy Alley really. Attractive. I know it. I I, I, I got to admit I, when I went to see uh, Rathacon with you in uh, in uh, the Surf Theater. I believe it was with you, but I know it was in the Surf Theater. I I I had a very. It, it, might well have been. I had a very early young boy crush on Kirstie Alley in, in that movie. I thought she was the I, sexiest Vulcan ever. I couldn't ever. take my eyes off her. I mean, she like, just has this, I just like, thought she was the most beautiful. Her eyes. And she just had those hypnotizing, yeah. like, green-blue eyes that just made – I think they're green – that just made you, like, you had to pay attention to her. But all this started uh, – Oh, no, what were you going to say? Carter. I mean – you know, oh, it was like Linda Carter. Yeah, I had, you know, I no, had Linda Carter was my other too. one. I, me too, Linda Carter. I had my first sexual oh. fantasy about Wonder Woman. About like, like, I, I can't. But the dream was involving Wonder Woman's boobs and me laying in them, and that's all I could imagine was like was laying in her boobs and looking at her face. That was my first sexual desire. I had no other. I didn't know what else was going on. I just wanted to lay on Wonder Woman's boobs and look in her face because I thought she was the prettiest girl in the world. I was like. She's so pretty. She and Dolly Parton too. As a young kid, I had a I had a crush on Dolly Parton. Dolly not because of the boobs. Oh not because the boobs. I mean, pretty, pretty, pretty. Dolly Parton was so pretty in Nine to Five. Dolly Parton is just delightful, oh my and I goodness. loved her in that movie. She was so pretty I, uh, in that movie. Odd that I would watch a Jane Fonda movie, but you know your but politics yeah, yeah. change after yeah, 20, change after twenty years. years. You were a different person, different person back then. Okay, yeah. so all this conversation we were talking about, we're talking about how. Voyager is probably is probably my least favorite of all the Star Trek series, and I think a lot of it has to do with because I think I like the the last couple of good episodes or last couple of good seasons of that show that should be rain, remain nameless better than Voyager. I have to say that I think I like, and I'm going by one episode that I saw. I have yet to watch all of Enterprise. I'll say. I said the word. Ooh, Voldemort exists. I said the word. I, I never originally. I never made it past the theme song in the first episode of of uh, Enterprise. And Alan made me watch the Brent Spiner story arc on on Enterprise, which I enjoyed. And I got and I was like, oh, I like this. And so I kind of meant. To, I just. I kind of meant to go back and I just watch thought it. Thought to myself. They and and you can. I'm sorry, I interrupted. No, no, it's okay. I just that like I'm like. They're doing Yuni and Sung. Yeah. Hadn't we already figured this it, out? Exactly. I know. I hear you. I just, I guess the uh, performance and the acting, it was good, but I never felt yeah, like. Yeah, I was going to say, but it, were, it was good. So. But I've never I felt, the, I never felt like the stories were great on that show. I feel like, I feel like that's the example of a, sh of uh, I'm starving for a while and someone hands me a cracker and it makes me feel good. In the cracker and it's stuff the like that. That's the best cracker I ever had. Yeah, it's the best it's cracker. That's the best cracker <laughs> oh, I've ever had in my whole life. By uh, but but uh, but yeah. So Kate Mulgrove, I do think she, in some sense, destroyed Voyager because of a lack of captivating personality. But when watching Orange Is the New Black, what it makes me feel like, and what it what it turns me on as, is the fact of an amazing acting job that she can do. 
I do think that um, the other thing about the actress on Orange is a New Black, mm-hmm. and I don't know how much this has to do with anything. Um, I mean, I didn't know Piper well, but like we were in high school together. She was a year ahead of me, and then I would see her around sometimes um, when she was at Smith and I was at UMass. Mm-hmm. Like I don't even know if I could explain to her who I was other than like a guy from Swampscott. But I definitely knew who she was. I thought she was really cool, and you know. Um, so it and it, did they do they, they capture her personality? Did they capture her personality? That I guess that was my question. Yeah. 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 Interesting. They, she captures a certain quality that Piper always had to her. You know, and again, it was a long time ago, but I it's that it, wide-eyed, curious, curiosity sort of, of look. In, that's very that's very it, interesting. It, there's the, it's so weird. There's sort of, you know, quiet mysteriousness at times, but there's the, you know, the smile to the eyes, exasperation sometimes, and there's it's just a bunch of different things. So to to end this whole thing on Origin of the New Black, it definitely means a lot more to myself, to Gotti, to Len watching the show now, knowing or reading about her, knowing knowing the connection. No, it. I mean, it does make a difference. It's it. It makes it all. It made me want to rewatch it right away and and uh, and and just kind of look at it as I was saying to Len about the perspective of thinking about I know people from our town and imagining us in those situations and it's not it's not good. And I guess the last thing about Kate Mulgrove, she deserves an award. I said it in the thing. She deserves an award. And I'll say it. I'll say it. She des- she deserves an award. She deserves people to be like you know what. You're a great actress. Yep. And especially people and, like you and, and me. People like you and me that have been trashing her who, for years. That that yeah. that before I and I and 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 we you could you could hear us get into it a little bit too now. We, we it's hard for us to get out of this. We're we're drug addicts. We're Voyager drug addict. Okay, I guess that's what I wanted to say oh, yeah. about what I wanted to say about Enterprise versus Voyager. Enterprise, as much as I don't want to get into like I think it could be argued which is a worse show, I don't have as much anger and fervor or whatever that you know for for enterprise as i do for voyager for some reason voyager just pisses me off because i see a good show in there because it's still enterprise was a bad idea to begin with yeah and exactly voyager had so much promise enterprise is a spinoff and, and from a from shitty prom- next generation people. movie yeah exactly from the same people that brought next generation and deep space nine two series i love and with enterprise you mentioned mm-hmm. it it's it was a bad idea it was a spinoff of an idea from a next generation movie, which by definition, next generation movies can't be good. Even the good ones can't be good. So they took the fact that the Borg were, you know what I mean? That the change of the times of what happened with First Contact, with the stuff that happened in that First yeah. Contact movie, and, and that's why they need to do an Enterprise series to show you the differences. You know, and that was the foundation, you know, because it's like connected to that universe. And that's why eventually on Enterprise mm-hmm. you get different races showing up. You get the Ferengi in an episode. You get, you know, Klingons that look like Klingons and all this horrible stuff that never should have existed on Enterprise. So I think for oh oh, oh, oh no 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 go on no, no I was I just gonna say for my for my on. for my reasoning that's why I think I have way more hatred for Voyager and directly my hatred has fallen on the on the arms of Kate Mulgrove and thinking that she was horrible 
and miscast, which which seeing her in red, right. I, I don't think seeing her play red, I don't think she was miscast. I think she plays power very well. I think she plays comedy and wonder very well. I just think she was either directed poorly, hence what we were talking about, about what she said. I don't well, think the picture, writing was there. Picture red. Picture red as the captain of the Enterprise. Perfect. Uh, minus the, the ac- minus the accent. It minus the Chekhov accent. Sure. It would it would perfectly work if for her in that same necessarily yeah. personality. It would be perfect. It would be way more entertaining. Uh, it would be more raw. It would be. It would feel. And and I guess what we were saying about Voyager. I feel like, I feel like it. That's like w- wasted talent. You know, wasted. There was something so wasted there yeah. because if she had been. Yeah. It, it, because I feel, because I get a feeling as much as, and maybe this is just a feeling I get from watching Orange Is the New Black. I feel like as much as uh, the girl that plays Piper, Tyler, or whatever her name is, is uh, which actually, which is funny, she's, she's from uh, Massachusetts. She's, uh, I was, yes. re- I was reading about. It. It's funny that they got someone from Massachusetts to to play that, and uh, and I want to say she's from like uh, the North Shore too. She's from like Saugus or something. It's like it, it's random like that. It's not. It's not exactly. I'm, it begins I'm, with an S. I, I it might be like Shrewsbury. Yeah, Shrewsbury. Yeah, something like that. But I, yeah, I feel like the Stoughton. Fe- I don't know. Stoughton. Yeah, it is Stoughton. It is Stoughton. I get. I get the feeling that the cast gets their cues from Kate Mulgrove. I just get a. You just get a feeling like she's the like not just because the way they play in the cast. It's just I I don't know. It's hard to explain, and this it's just the way they all like act when they're with her in a scene. I feel like she sets the standard that they're all like, oh. Well, did you ever see? Did you ever see a good performance of Gypsy? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. You know, Mama's the one who sets the tone. You know, yeah, abs- no, absolutely, and I think that I think that's the case. I mean, a, Ethel Merman. <laughs> exactly, she is the she's there you go. she's the mom, and it's beyond that that she's also obviously the oldest actress working on the show, you know, and the one that's been in the, in, been in the business the longest, you know, um, I, I don't mm-hmm. know if, I mean, she looks younger than, uh, than the, uh, than Yoga Jones, who looks like an, who looks like Edie Falco's older sister <laughs> with those eyes and stuff. <laughs> sure. I thought she looked like something terrible happened to Sandy Duncan, but <laughs> well, it's same, same, same difference. Well, well, we'll wrap this up a little bit. We'll touch base a little bit later, especially before season two of Orange is oh, the New Black. Can I just say, Please can I do. say one quick thing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, about, okay. About Orange is the New Black. Um, I this is an experience that I've had that you know I I don't think a lot of people do so it's really interesting is that forget the show in the book I remember my reaction to finding out yeah, that I was, this was happening that that that's a good that is a good thing I was good I remember when 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 you and Len mentioned all that and we got into all this about it happening I don't have an exact memory of this happening, but I have a memory, like I have a faint memory of my mother and grandmother talking about it, like having like passing reference to made the the papers, the reporters. I have I have a memory of them them referring to it at dinner or something like that, talking about. Well, especially because she again, she was a year, you know, you connected with you, uh, like like an oh my god, I can't I can't believe this girl's going to jail, like like something. Something to that effect. Yeah. Like, like I, I, well, remember- I just remember just, just you know, the shock that I felt, and to bring like something to that, like that, to a, a dramatic, you know, comedy, comedy, yeah, show or a book, um, is is really something of an experience, especially when it's very good. The other thing is, 
Um, I uh, sometime uh, when I call in, I'll, I'll I'll I can do some of my interesting trivia that I've remembered again about um, uh, the Bionic Woman and 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 oh no, I'm definitely Dollar Man and I'm Wonder definitely Woman. definitely interested in getting into that. I want to do a. Uh, once I once I get into the Breaking Bad thing and I'm doing more direct like this show ended up indirectly being all about Orange is the New Black so I I don't I like the idea sure. of doing uh doing episodes about very specific subjects in the in the coming year over the winter and stuff and I'd love to do a classic mm-hmm. television ep, uh show where I where we can you and I oh, can talk yeah. about a lot of classic shows uh like Dennis the Menace the Brady Bunch uh the Happy Days uh the Six Million Dollar Man like uh I'm, I'm just naming a few a Quantum Leap we mentioned Quantum Leap today. you want a piece of trivia yeah let's leave us with a piece of trivia here I'm gonna leave with a piece of trivia and then I will I will leave leave, leave yeah then I'm the then I'm gonna do my it. last call and uh and uh this is here we'll we'll start it off here this is Gotti's last la- final issue of the day a little piece of trivia for you my final issue of the day, a little piece of TV, or not quite TV trivia. I, I don't remember the exact date, so let's say May 17th, 1939. That's a good date. Uh, it, yeah. Um, a uh, comic strip in the United States uh, called Dennis the Menace Ooh. premiered that day. And it was a real, you know, a really big hit. People loved it, and it kept going for decades and decades and decades, and we still have it today. Interesting. Now, I got May seventeenth. What? Oh. No, and that that, that... nineteen thirty nine in Great Britain, a comic strip completely different called Dennis the Menace premiered, hmm. and it was a great big hit, and it's still going until this very day. Now, are... two completely different. Are th- is it the same uh, same concept? No. no. No, it's two completely different strips. Interesting. You know, debuted on the same day. Huh. Two different countries. I guess. Yeah. I, I guess if you do have a thousand monkeys typing, uh, typing random words, eventually you will get <laughs> Hamlet. Eventually you will get words, 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 my friend. Thank you, Gotti. Yeah, either shit or Shakespeare. You You're welcome. Shakespeare. Thank you for calling and appreciate it. Talk to you soon. Take yeah. care. That is Gotti calling in to uh, to. To piggyback off our Orange is the New Black and uh, make this episode all about Orange is the New Black. So, but I want to get into one final issue. I had a bunch of silly news stories, but honestly, nothing, nothing that's worth it. So, I just want to finish things up with one last piece of news story. I'll, eh, I'll skip through a couple of these ideas in my final issues. Give me some music. Jake the Snake Roberts, former WWE star, is making a comeback. I don't care about that. More Florida people doing horrible things. But what my final issue is, guy tries to steal $163,000 worth of beef. That's another news story now. Hugh Jackman's Wolverine came out this week. 15 workers missing in Florida, but they're all probably just stupid and forget what they were all. A woman wants a million dollars for slipping on nutshells. Art, art majors leading, landing more jobs these days than regular people. Nirvana in utero is coming up. Coming up with a CD release. <laughs> oh, God. I, <laughs> I forgot about this. The two the worst places to be naked. Oh, God, I'll do that next week. But here's my final issue. Another news story came out over the last couple of days about the Nintendo Wii U and how little they sold in the last quarter. 160,000 units. 
oh God, oh my God, last week we trashed the Wii U for selling no units too, but this week, because we actually have the numbers behind it, let's trash them again, even though no products have come out in between then and now to change the marketplace. So you're telling me if we do nothing, nothing's gonna happen. Nintendo has already stated, I talked with Gotti about this, uh, three freaking weeks ago, four weeks ago, when they were first discussing this crap, can we stop trying to bash Nintendo and predict doom from Mario and his friends? Guess what, people? Again, I'm going to say this in the most simple terms possible. Nintendo is not going anywhere. Wii U is not going anywhere. The games for Wii U have not even effing come out yet. Wait with your freaking hate. Stop jumping on board the hate train because you think it's a comfy seat and ride that's going to get your ass out to the west coast because Amtrak fucked you and screwed your pooch. Sorry, I'm really, really angry. I've been trying to watch my language and be more polite to others, but I can't do it anymore because people keep bashing this goddamn Nintendo stuff. And I just, I have a Wii U. I love a Wii U and I can't wait for the fucking games to come out. When the games come out, if they still suck and they sell horrible amounts of units, now, then let's get back to this. Let's not every week come up with another story about how Nintendo sucks, Nintendo sucks, Nintendo sucks. Oh, Nintendo doom, 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 gloom, doom, gloom, doom, doom. Shut up! God. I'd like to thank Glenn Kaplan for calling in this week. I'd like to thank Gotti for joining me for the second half of the show. We got a long issues program this week, but that's cool. I like the long shows. I like it when it's long. <laughs> Check out my stuff. Check out my website, issuesprogram.com. Follow me on Twitter at I Got Issues Man. Search on Facebook under the Issues Guy. Search my good friend John C. Riley's. Uh, Jace Down Studios on Facebook and on YouTube. Check out Structure Gaming for some one versus one videos to see me in some video game competition videos. And also, what else? What else can you check out before I play the promo at the end here again? Check out all my stuff. Check out my YouTube page, Issues Program or Issues Radio Program. I said on Facebook. Uh, you can call or text 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 781-990-8509 with whatever's on your mind. And I will see you guys next week at some point. <laughs> next week's a difficult week, so we'll see. No, I will be back next week. Later, guys. <laughs> oh, why isn't this playing? You must play now. Get ready to get your nerd on. Kick the week off right with games, gadgets, and general geekery from the ladies of the Electric Sisterhood. On Tuesdays, get your pop culture news and reviews with a pure Bostonian perspective on the Boston Bastard Brigade. Geek Aggro is coming at you on Wednesdays to fill what's left of your cerebral cortex with the hottest beats to get you on your feet. Then on Thursdays, you have me, Phil the Issues Guy, presenting the live issues program. It's going down each week only in the land of Ash. Nerdcore at its finest.